0: Welcome to Once More With Commentary. We're a Buffy and Angel podcast. Um, I'm Ginny. I'm Allie. And today, Did you bring your tissues, Ginny? You know I didn't, but I probably <laughs> should. Um, yeah, today we're going to talk about the body, which I actually wish that we had thought about this in the last episode to just kind of like warn people. I don't know. Not to like... I, I, I have to imagine anybody watching the show hopefully has like heard of it beforehand, but I just can imagine... This could be pretty upsetting if you're not prepared. Even when you're prepared for it, it's very upsetting. I guess I'm just older and more people in my life have died, and it just makes me want to put a fair warning out there to people that you might not want to listen to this or watch this episode if that's not something you want to see. It's triggering, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I guess, though, it's a little too late for me to say this now, because if you watch along, presumably you've already seen it. Anyway, well, I hope people are using the Internet and protecting themselves as needed. With all that being said, it was very upsetting and I'm sad.
1: (laughs) And I think this episode really works to like make you sadder. Like It does. there's no distractions. It's just like Yeah. You know, forty five minutes of like being sad and dealing
0: with death almost in the most. But like in in one of the more real Well, we should get into it, but like just
1: Dealing with, like, the mundane aspects of death, too. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what makes
0: it feel so realistic, I think. And, well, yeah, Yeah. okay, now we're really just talking about it. (laughs) Um, Obviously, if I'm laughing, it's not because I find any of this funny. (laughs) This is how I awkwardly deal with sad things. (laughs) Um, But also, we should say we're going to talk about Angel as well. We watched the episode Epiphany, which offered its own kind of catharsis, though, obviously, you know, nothing can really stand up to the body. Which I think is well regarded as one of the best episodes of television ever. Not just one of the best episodes of Buffy.
1: Yeah, but and if deservedly so. Don't want to listen to us talk about the body. At least know that we're not going to be mean to Angel. This right, time. right, right. Yeah.
0: If you want to skip this episode now, for once, we actually have I think only nice things to say about Angel. At least yeah. mostly nice things to say about it. I did not. I didn't not like it at all. I think I liked almost everything about it. I'm sure there's some gripes in there, but. Huh. Um, okay, so with that said, I drew the short, short straw, of, uh, the metaphorical straw of having to give the recap for the body. Um, and I'd like to
1: point out that the way you drew that was I said, do you want to do the recap? Yeah, and you true. said yes.
0: That's true. <laughs> I know, and then I was like, hmm, do I want to do this? But <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I guess what's interesting is that I think you've talked about this before, or you've done this once or twice before, but I didn't take any notes at all while I was watching this one because I was just like, I just want to be in it. And that extends to now. So I do have the like wiki synopsis open because that might help me get through it. But um, I think I know more or less what happened. Also, you know, not a big arc in this episode. as <laughs> kind of, uh, as you said, mundane. So um, with that being said, um, this episode picks up not even at the end of where the last one is, Um, ended. It goes even, you know, it replays the last, you know, 30 seconds or minute of the of the previous episode, I Was Made to Love You, where Buffy walks in the door, sees the flowers that Brian Joyce's date sent, and then slowly realizes that Joyce is on the couch behind her. Um, Of course, in this episode, it plays forward through that. Um, And we... Yeah, Uh, not before it goes forward, though. We get this flashback to probably a few months before when all the Scoobies were at the house. For some reason, I had it in my head that it was Thanksgiving, even though we make repeated references to Santa. So it's clearly Christmas, (laughs) Um, a Christmas dinner that they all had where, you know, Joyce had been playing the role of host and matriarch. And everybody was there and they just kind of have pretty normal banter um, and it ends with Buffy, Giles, and um, Joyce in the kitchen, you know, starting to clean up and starting to bring out dessert, which is, in this case, is pies that she's pulling out of the oven. And as Buffy grabs one of the plates, it's too hot, and she drops it on the floor. And then it just immediately cuts into back into the present day, which is Buffy realizing that her mom is on the couch and trying to figure out what she needs to do. She's obviously in a state of shock and not operating at full capacity, maybe. Uh, and she eventually... Not eventually. She calls the ambulance, asks what she should do. They give her some kind of rote advice about giving performing CPR, even though Buffy already says that the body is cold. Eventually, the ambulance, the like EMTs come. They perform, again, a couple of kind of standard routine things before declaring that Joyce is, in fact, dead. Um, And it's extremely upsetting. <laughs> they, of course, you know... I mean, everything about this, especially this first chunk of the episode, is really played for realism. You know, the ambulance, the two EMTs, after they do that, they say that they're going to call the coroner and that he'll come and finish whatever needs to be done. But they have to go because there's another call for them to attend to. So they leave and they leave Buffy there alone with just her mom's body. Uh, And they give her instructions on not touching her and not moving her. And then she calls Giles Uh, and says kind of cryptically that she's here or something to that effect to get him to rush over. But then Buffy has to spend several minutes alone in the house with kind of nothing to do except wander around. Um, Again, without trying to get into every nitty gritty detail, uh, eventually Giles shows up um, and and, and then we move on. So the next thing, of course, is that Buffy realizes she has to tell Dawn about this. So we cut the next scenes take place at Dawn's school where we see Dawn crying in the bathroom. Obviously, for a second, you're supposed to think she's just gotten the news. But in fact, it turns out she hasn't heard anything yet. She's just kind of having sort of typical, you know, middle school, high school drama where it sounds like some kids have found out that she cut herself that one time after she found out she was the key and they're maybe making fun of her or teasing her or something. Um, so she's crying in the bathroom with her friend before cleaning herself up enough to go to class so she's in her in art class and she's sort of flirt- flirting with this boy and they're talking about you know deep things etc and then Buffy walks in obviously everybody knows that that means that something is probably wrong and then they have this confrontation in the hallway where we mostly see it through a plate of, plate, plate of glass we mostly don't get to hear what they're really talking about and we you just see Dawn unfold basically Ugh. <laughs> this is really hard to talk about. Um, and then we also go and get through to see what this is like for the rest of the Scoobies. You know, we get, see this scene of Willow and Tara trying to get dressed, deciding what Willow is freaking out about what to wear in the way that you do sort of in these situations where there's nothing real to focus on. So you just fixate on something stupid. Like what sweater should I wear? Um, So she and Tara are kind of having this Tara is, is actually notably pretty calm. And I mean, not like distant or um, dismissive, but very is seems to be composed. Um, eventually Xander and Anya show up because they're giving them a ride to the morgue to meet body, uh, body to meet Buffy and Giles at the hospital. Um, And it just kind of continues to play out. They all have various reactions. You know, Xander's reaction is to get angry, to blame Glory, and then to punch the wall. Willow's reaction is to spin in circles about what she should wear, and Anya's reaction is to very um, bluntly ask why this happened, and of course, nobody can answer that question. Um, They eventually head on to the hospital, and then in the kind of the final act of the episode, everybody is at the hospital waiting to get the autopsy report from the doctor. Um, and he eventually does come out and he explains that she had an aneurysm. It was related to the tumor, but it wasn't anything that they could have detected or basically he, there's nothing that any of them could have done to stop this. There's no amount of being there soon enough that Buffy could have saved her. There's no amount of, so there wasn't something that the hospital could have done to detect it, etc., etc. I mean, and maybe he's just saying some of the stuff to make her feel better, but it more or less feels true. Um, so while they're at the hospital getting this news, Dawn still, meanwhile, seems to more or less be in denial about everything. And so at some point she decides that she's going to sneak into the actual morgue to see the body for herself. And so she does this. And of course, since this is Sunnydale, there is also a vampire in the morgue on one of the other tables. And he starts to attack Dawn. Luckily, by this point, Buffy has realized that Dawn's been gone for a while. She had said she went to the bathroom, but, you know. Buffy knows better once she kind of sees that the bathroom doors are near the morgue doors and she goes in there and she saves Don who after thing, after kind of having this struggle and fight with the vampire, Joyce's the sheet covering her has been knocked over. And so Don in fact does see her and that's, um, yeah, then that's then <laughs> I kind of thought there wasn't going to be a lot to say, but I guess then it's like, hard not to get into every nitty gritty detail since again, really the plot of this episode is that Buffy's mom dies and they take her to the morgue. (laughs) Like they go through the first 24 hours of somebody dying, which is incredibly depressing. Um, so kind of like
1: the, the shock of finding out and then everybody's individual reactions.
0: Right. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that there is basically no plot because the whole episode is about all of the weird details are all of the details that happen in these moments. So it's like again, this not this isn't they find out glory did it and then they track her down and kill her, you know, like there is no story. It's just the events of the day. It's, it's completely mundane, really. Which is Yeah, it's like the,
1: dealing with a death.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the first Literally. thing that makes it stand out from from especially from a Buffy from every other Buffy episode, but also I would say from most episodes of television ever. You know, not very many I haven't seen very many instances of thing of death depicted this way, where instead of seeing everybody cry or seeing everybody freak out or cutting to the next day or cutting to the aftermath, you know, like those that was the first act of this episode before the first or I guess it's after the credits roll when Buffy is just in the house alone, like That is so rough. It pretty much plays in real time, right? Like, you just have to follow Buffy as she walks from room to room in the house because what else is she going to do, you know? Like, she already called Giles. Somebody's already on his way. The coroner's already on his way. She can't do anything, so she just has to stay there, and it's awful. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and she's in some weird between state of, like, shock and you know, having to be the person dealing with this. And I think that's what this whole episode is, is kind of like, you know, I think there's a reason most shows would skip over this part because it could be not that interesting, except somehow they're finding the ways that this is riveting drama because... Yeah, you can't look away. (laughs) Yeah, because it's not so much about the plot of what's happening. Like, the plot is, like, okay, Buffy finds Joyce. She tries to revive her. She calls the EMT. They can't revive her. Then the coroner comes, and, like, you're proceeding through the first yeah. day of death of, like, let's take you to the coroner. They're going to do an autopsy, like, all of this. But what's really happening is everybody's finding out about this yeah. and reacting. Yeah. And for a group of people who deal with death almost Constantly, daily, yeah. It's the first one that's really... Kind of out of the blue, because there's no battle, there's no demon, there's nothing. It just happens, and it's also someone that they all care about. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing them all try to figure out, well... How do we react to this, yeah. right? Like it's it's all about like I think the 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 best conversation is the one between Buffy and Tara when yeah. Tara is saying like I've been through this before, but also the thing that I remember is like I didn't know how to react, I didn't know what yeah. I was doing, and yeah. worrying that the way I was reacting is wrong yeah. somehow, yeah, and. That's kind of the mission statement for this episode. That's what everybody's right. doing. Like, right, right. Willow's trying to dress the perfect way to show her, you know, perfect morning for Buffy. Tara's right. just there for Willow. Xander's angry and trying to like, you know, find something figure productive out a way to fix way. it or yeah. punish someone. Yeah. And, and Anya, you know, poor Anya is trying to figure out how this even happened because. Yeah in her 1,100 years of being a demon, she's kind of forgotten to face death in this very personal way. Right. And so she doesn't, she hasn't had to think about, like, how does it just happen in this way? And, and yeah. of course, nobody will tell her because because nobody knows, <laughs> And those aren't the questions that people would normally ask. But Anya is not trying to be mean. She just really yeah. is trying to understand how she's supposed to process this. Right. And so, and then, you know, Giles is trying to just support Buffy in every way that he can. Yeah and dawn in in her own way is like trying to even just come to terms with the fact that it happened right and so i think everybody's just trying to figure out okay how am i reacting to this and and is that wrong or or right or is there even a right or wrong answer of how to do that and i right. think it makes for a pretty fascinating episode of like it's just pure emotion coming at you yeah over the I- most ridiculous things of like Okay, now we have to go fill out paperwork or right. you know um You I, know, and, and I think the details are great like Buffy's fixing detail her mother's skirt yeah. so that when the coroner arrives like she's not
0: yeah. being,
1: you know, inappropriate too much yeah.
0: Or, um Well, know. really and then in I guess the the other thing that I think is is particularly successful about this episode is how especially in the first two at least for Buffy and Don, just kind of portions of the episode, you know, they really with details without hitting you over the head of it really emphasized that this was just a, ne- a normal day, right? Like Buffy is wandering around the house and she opens the door and you just like hear kids playing in the background because nobody else knows that this is happening. <laughs> you know, like yes. this is only happening to Buffy or it's only happening to her and her friends. The world keeps on going on. And it's kind of the same thing with Dawn where it's like we see her and crying in the bathroom. And obviously, like I said, it's they, they play that on purpose to kind of trick you. But then you realize like she's just ha- at school having a normal day, like going through regular teenage drama before this big thing happens. Like everybody's lives were just happening and it's just yeah I think that is like a really poignant point to make um is that you know death happens constantly and the the rest of the world doesn't really care or stop even though your whole world stops
1: yeah the meter maid's gonna keep handing out tickets yeah. whether you're double parked for legitimate reasons or not yeah so
0: yeah and I think that no, and is I think like
1: all of that is you know and I think the other thing that like to your point about it just being a normal day and like I think the world moving on is, like, th- this whole episode isn't stylized in the same way. Right. Like, it feels like a slice of t- time out of a normal it's day. It's filmed so no differently from... Background ev- music. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Like, the setups, like, well, and like, everything. It's...
0: Yeah. So, like, again, in that first in the first shots with just Buffy, there's no music. There's, for several probably minutes of those first scenes, there's nobody talking. You know, when the EMTs aren't there, when Buffy's not on the phone, she's just quietly walking around her house. And we, the audience, just have to be there quietly with her. As And it also is like tracking her from room to room. You know, it's not like cut, cut, cut. The episode isn't filmed of a bunch of separate scenes that they've cut together. We literally just follow Buffy around the house in one long shot. And I think all of that is like very effective at making you feel like this is your life or this is you in this situation. And I, it's just... Yeah. I have to say it was kind of killing me when I was watching this episode because I was watching it on Hulu and they were giving me, you know, the ads in between. And because it's like September or it's October now, (laughs) whatever, whatever month it is. um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I kept getting advertisements for new shows, including a lot of new dramas. And there was some really stupid looking medical drama. And like Mm. the (laughs) tagline was something about like, so emotional. She <laughs> like just said something so trite. And I was like, it is so ironic to see it was that one. And there's some other new show with the guy from Office Space in it that is like also like some somebody's friend dies in the beginning and then all the friends come together and it's like full of sentiment and heart. And it was just like really hit it over, you know, hit the nail on the head, I think, for me about like why this episode is so special is because it's just not that, you know, it's not cloying about sentiment. It's not obviously they know you're going to react to it set with sadness. You know, it's not as though the episode isn't trying to be sad, but it's not trying to be stupid. I guess. I don't know. I can't think of the right word for it, but it was just like, it was particularly contrasting to me to watch these dramas where people are trying so hard to make emotion happen, as opposed to just letting it play out in a realistic way that makes it even hit you even harder. It was like, if I watched that medical show right now, I would throw something at the TV because it would be so frustrating. (laughs)
1: Yeah, nobody's being like, "Don't worry, Buffy. We're gonna be there for you." Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, gonna, yeah. You know, it's like they're just there, and then they're also there, but they're kind of also being like they're there, but they're also there for themselves. Like everybody's having their own personal reaction to this, and mm-hmm. you know, not you know, they're trying to be there for Buffy, but maybe they're not being the most helpful way that you know. It's like it's all very real,
0: and it is, and um, it's not. Um, shoot, I forget. I forget what word I just had in my head. Oh well. It's not cliche. Well, that, oh, that's what yeah. I want. <laughs> I mean, it is cliche for somebody to die, but it's not cliche to really mull it over and force the audience to sit through it with them as they mull it over and deal with it. Like you said, like having to call the ambulance, having to try and revive her, having to wait for the ambulance, having to wait for the coroner, having to fill out paperwork like that stuff is not often part of death stories on television or in film. It's not never, but rarely, you know. Where it's like yeah, it, you
1: don't have these, like, empty moments of, like, no action. It's, like, you know, I mean, like you were talking about Buffy wandering through the house. Like, that's dead air for yeah, most shows, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and it's really just supposed to be about Buffy's, like, literal, visceral reaction to this. Like, you know, yeah, she, she throws, throws up. She, mm-hmm. like, she opens the door to kind of get some fresh air. She does not look good, yeah, right? Like, yeah. But it's a very human reaction to, like discovering your mother's body on the couch yeah and then also like the way even the emts are sort of accidentally really callous about it like you know it's it's obvious joyce is dead and buffy is not going to accept that so she's running through all the motions Mm -hmm. of trying to revive her and all of that and the emts you know do that as well as they're supposed to but they're also pretty quickly coming to terms with like like that guy he just kind of says like she's cold man yeah Like, she's dead. Like, there's no coming back. And, like, I don't know. All of that is, like, callous a little bit, but, like, it's also kind of real. Like, they're not thinking about, like, Buffy's reaction. Like, they're sorry, but, like, they're also, like, trying to do their jobs, and that's just the way it's coming out.
0: I I do think that the one guy is a little bit nicer to her, but also I think the interesting point is that it's not even that they're being callous to be callous – or it's not even that they're so desensitized because they do this all the time, but they have to go to a, the next job because they might be able to save that person. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, that's also like a real calculation of like, we can't just sit here and hug you because somebody else needs our help. And if they're not dead already, we can save their life. You know, so it's like there is yeah. also this element of like they have to do it. It's not even. Yeah, it's not well, that I they're mean, trying like the to- way
1: they also sort of. Before they, they, they kind of let it slip, and this is where we right. get the title from. The like, body. They, they were yeah. referring to her as the body. Right. And, and yeah. all of that. And then even when Buffy does that, yeah. and it's like, and she
0: he- you know, hears herself and, and
1: say then, it. And Anya, you know, says it in maybe the most poignant way, where she's saying, I don't understand why it's yeah, just how- a body, and she can't get back in it. Yeah. But,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know. Um, and then, you know, but I, I, I do appreciate that most of this is played pretty real and pretty straight, but they're not forgetting. What show this is, like right? That even, yeah. though It's just tiny little touches where, like, Buffy cracks a rib when she's giving CPR because right. she's too strong, yeah. And, um, you know, Don locking herself in the morgue with a vampire, which,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, like, you live in Sunnydale, you should know better. I know but there
0: is a part of me that, for a minute, I was like, "Is this the way they should have ended this episode?" And I'm not sure, but well, I, I think in some ways, I, I don't not like, I don't not like it. I guess is where I landed of like, yeah. I don't know. That That's as mundane in Sunnydale life as anything else, too. You know what I mean? Like, they've been staking out the morgue since season one.
1: Yeah. I think the point of that, though, was just to kind of, for one, to have Buffy do something, like, legitimate yeah. to fix something. Because, like, not, nothing about her mother's death, she can't fix it. But I think it's also kind of a small signal in a way of, like, Joyce is dead, is dead. And this yeah. day yep. is, like, a slice of time. But, like life is already moving on. Like, there's already more vampires right. to kill and more people to save. And, you know, and now that they've, in the process of fighting this vampire, she's, like, pulled the sheet off of her mom's body. Like, they're both confronted with the fact that Joyce is truly dead and in the morgue. And,
0: yeah, you
1: know, I everything is going to move on from there.
0: Well, I guess that's actually the other reason why they probably have, the, the other reading of that, of the reason that there's a vampire, I think, is that it is also, uh, this is only kind of occurring to me now, that, they're so used to seeing people come back from the dead, <laughs> you know, yeah. that it, they kind of do have to see Joyce on the table, clearly not coming back. And this other guy clearly coming back to really also drill into their head that, like, she's gone, gone. Whereas, some, and you know, they're, they're that, so used to things being dead, not really being dead, that, like, they do probably have to see them side by side to be like, oh, yes, to make it click. Yeah.
1: And I think you're right. And I think that that's also like the show saying, okay, well, this is the type of death we've had in the past, but there's this other kind of death that we don't talk about, which is real death. Yeah. And, you know, one of these bodies is getting up from the table and one of them is not. Right. And, you know, there's supernatural death and there's real death and Joyce is real death. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I mean, I was pretty much crying through the whole episode because I cried through all TV. And I think I thought... I would be a little more together this time, but probably, I mean, this episode only gets harder to watch, right? The older you get. Cause the more, I mean, if you're lucky people haven't, you know, you haven't lost loved ones in your life and until you're older. And I think for me, that's true. So it's like, it's harder to watch it now than it, than it was. I think it always felt true to me, even when I, it wasn't something that I had really gone through and I think it was really sad. And I know I used to really, break up mostly at Anya's speech. I think that's kind of pretty common. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. I'm curious if there was any which which one got you the most this time or nothing or well, all of it.
1: I was a little bit into the episode and wondering if I was going to cry mm-hmm. at all. And then Buffy yelled at Giles, "We're not supposed to move the body." Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, was the first yeah. sign where I cuz I was like yeah. cuz like the horror on her face, but yeah. also just yeah. That that was the first thing that, like, got me. And then, of course, Allison Hannigan crying yeah. is going to always make me yeah. cry. <laughs> but Anya really got me. Anya really. Because Anya's felt the most visceral to me and the most, like... I guess we could... The most human reaction, in a way, of, like, why does this have to happen? I think the thing.
0: reason that Anya sticks out, part of it is because, you know, it's coming from her... And there's context for us, the viewers. But also because, I, I mean, again, for... For character reasons, she's the only one that can really say it. You know, yeah. everybody else is trying to not say it. They don't even want to say the words like Joyce is dead, let alone say, why did this happen? <laughs> you know, because that's so hard because you know that you can't answer it. And so there's no point in talking about it. But there is also something really, really I don't know if cathartic is the word or if it's just sad, but it's so sad to just say it and admit it to everybody that, like, why did this happen and why can't it just have not happened? (laughs) You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and before everybody realizes, like, you know, where she's going with it. Right. They think she's angry and she's telling her, like, shut up. Yeah. And, you know, all this, like, like, emotions are raw all around. Right. Anya truly is coming from an innocent place of no one will help me understand.
0: I did think it, I had a moment where I was like, I mean, Anya should have been thinking about this as a demon, well, but
1: yeah, or not even as a demon, just like having aware been around that, like, for that how long.
0: Death works. I guess she was just living in such a different reality of like, she didn't live on earth really. Right. If she was just constantly inhabiting new
1: yeah, roles I, and I personas. Actually had this moment I, yeah. of like wondering
0: what did, did you this, think you were doing that whole time Did on? this
1: no... Yeah, like, I was questioning whether this rang false for me, but I think ultimately no because agree. of what you're talking about, like, how she's living... She's not living her existence. Like, in the last two years, she's, like, fully become immersed in the human way of thinking right. about things. And sometimes she comes across as, like, really clinical or really, you know, cut and dry about the way things work, but she also liked Joyce. Yeah. And so I think it's more about, like, she would really like for this not to have happened and she doesn't understand why that's not enough
0: well and I think the other thing that is a little bit of the underlying something <laughs> is and I don't I'm not trying to make judgments on people but Anya's life as a ven- vengeance de- vengeance demon was to enact revenge for so people had done something whether or not they deserved you know certainly most of them didn't deserve what she did to them whatever it was but I do think that's the other part that is like really, really difficult is that all the other deaths that we've seen, it's because people decided to mess with vampires, or it's because people decided to do something. They decided to cast a spell that they weren't ready for. They decided to do something. I mean, not all of them. Obviously, lots of people were just teenagers in Sunnydale High School. But I guess I'm just saying there either was always somebody to blame. Or there was always a reason that it happened. And I think this is the first time that neither of those is true. It's not Glory. And it's not because Joyce did something that she got payback for. She just... It was just a a very unhappy accident. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that even if Anya had come to terms with what she did, she thought those people deserved it. Whereas Joyce doesn't. In her eyes. And also, I think most (laughs) people. And the same with Xander, where it's like, he wants to just go after Glory. I mean, I'm sure they all feel the same way. Because it's easier to deal with this death when what you have are specific steps to take next of this is how we stop this from happening again. But in this case, you can't stop it from happening again. I guess. Do you think that this episode would stand out as much if it weren't an episode of Buffy? Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I think because Buffy is a show where, like I said, death is a constant Mm -hmm. in a way where, This almost feels like a reminder of, like, okay, we've taken five seasons and we've desensitized you to Mm -hmm. death, and we're going to remind you that death is not something to be taken lightly. Like, every single victim that just gets passed over with the camera, like, somebody's mourning them in this way. Mm -hmm. But I... Because of that, I think that's why the way the episode unfolds is so effective. yeah If, say, this was an episode of, like... This is us. Yeah. I don't know. I, do I trust that show to not yeah. take it over the top? <laughs> no. Probably not. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is context. Like, I think this is a really interesting episode, but I think.
0: But I also feel like I think this it's is like one. very that, specific to the show. So, like. I think it's. I don't know. I think it's better if you have the context and you've been watching this whole show. I think it would be affecting no matter what. I think it is a good. I think it is a standout episode for any show. Even if it were on something more set in the real world. But I don't I mean, I don't really know that. Obviously I've only seen it in the context of having watched the whole show. I do feel like this is an episode that people who haven't seen much of Buffy, they watch like hush, and they watch this. <laughs> and maybe the musical, you know? Yeah. So I'm curious. I should I guess I'm if any yeah. I
1: mean, that's really hard to answer. Like I'm trying to imagine if like, say, they did an episode like this on like Gilmore Girls, and right. it's like, well, I don't know if that works because like totally Gilmore Girls would never do this. So like, yeah, it, it. And I think that's what's successful about the episode is like it is so different from everything that comes I think, before or after, but like it's still very clearly a Buffy episode.
0: I think a perhaps more. Um, a better comparison is something like 6 Feet Under which is another show that I don't I don't think you've seen it but it is a show where literally some at least one person dies every episode the main character is the family that run or the main characters are right. part of a family that then, run a funeral home so they literally every episode starts with somebody dying and then they most of them get their funerals done at this house and that's like you know and then the ongoing family drama is like the real story but i guess what i'm trying to say is that that's another show where Ostensibly, every episode is about death. Somebody is dying constantly and they're not all set or, you know, they're not all played for quite the same drama and some of them are and some of them are not. But then there are moments where things happen that affect the actual, the main characters more directly. And then those things still do stand out. I think kind of in a similar way where it's like, just because, well, I guess I don't know what I'm saying, but I think if this episode, like if there was an episode of 1600 under filmed like this, I think it would still stand out a lot even though that's another show that's that's only set in the real world. There's no supernatural elements. I don't know.
1: But I think that's kind of the point of this episode, right. and I think that's why. Is like This episode is reminding us that death is personal. Mm-hmm. Like Death is not this thing to be insensitized to or desensitized to, and it's this thing that affects you more if you know the person, where like Six Feet Under is actually a great example because they're also dealing with death all the time. But as an audience, you haven't gotten to know these people. Yeah. You don't um, really mourn these other deaths, but then if something affects the people that you do spend every week with, then, of course, it has more impact because mm-hmm. it's more personal to you. I mean, I think the only time in the history of pop culture where we've met and met someone and seen their death unfold in five minutes and we've all cared is, like, up, Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a master class in how to get you, like, bawling over someone's death, like, after five minutes. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, that's the point, that... Yeah. Because Joyce is someone that we've seen for more than a handful of episodes. And even if she was barely in the last season, she has definitely been a bigger part of this season. And I think that was intentional. For sure. To remind you that you care about Joyce so that when she dies, it's personal.
0: I guess the other kind of thought I had that was an interesting parallel just going on in the background is even just the um, coroner. You know, he has to come out and give them this news. And it's clear that he has to do this all the time, you know, but I think... Just in the same way that, like, Buffy deals with death all the time. That doesn't make it any easier to deal with this one. I feel like that guy, when his mom or his wife or his kid dies, it's going to be just as awful for him. Just because he's cutting open dead bodies all the time doesn't make it easier. Right. Well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to move on to Angel?
0: I guess. I feel like we're like, I'm like, somehow feel like I'm not doing it justice.
1: I feel like I don't. I, I, I feel like I don't wanna try to do it more justice okay. because um I think it kinda goes with the whole thing of like it is a really personal portrayal of death, but maybe it's a personal reaction for everybody. I don't mm-hmm. you know, I I don't I don't know if this episode like if there's more to really
0: break it down. I guess know? there's more to break down how they filmed it and why it feels the yeah. way it does. But I'm also not really qualified to talk about that. <laughs> other than the few like things that i already a, said of like there's no music they track there's tracking shots it's quiet there's well, and lots the of dead air devices
1: error. of you know she's talking to the emt and he's out of frame basically. yeah 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 like it's just the bot because that's like the it makes yeah focuses on buffy like well and also like you that, feel her like yeah.
0: dissociation from what's going on because it's like even though he's there and he's real it doesn't really feel right yeah it's true um, um I guess I do just want to give everybody their kudos for a job well done, though. I mean, Sarah Michelle Geller really... She, you know, she doesn't always get the crying and the sadness down perfectly, but I think she's perfect in this one. I don't know how you could ask for something better. But also everybody. I thought everybody did a good job in this. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about Angel.
1: Yep. <laughs> Okay, on to something more upbeat. Mm -hmm. Um, So the end of last episode of Angel, we said everybody was basically having the worst night of their lives, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, Cordelia's possibly on her way to go get killed. Kate's ODing um, in her bathroom. Um, Wesley just got broken up with, and Angel is decided to give in and give up on everything and sleep with Darla, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: implying that perhaps he's woken up and going to reenact this whole angel loses his soul mm-hmm. thing. Um, so that's where we open up on the episode. And, I mean, they play this thing down to every beat. He wakes up. He does the little, like, surprise, ah, oh, you know, yeah. whatever. He runs out and it's pouring rain, like, you know, all of this. Um Except this time, it's Darla that, you know, is waiting. And she's excited, like, just let this happen. This is good. And she's horrified to discover that, actually, Angel still has a soul. Mm-hmm. And um, he basically just gave in to despair. And, like, that was him hitting bottom. And now he snapped out of it. So he basically tells Darla, like, they're done. And tells her to get lost. Like, he's done worrying about saving her, you know, um, going off on rampages because he couldn't save her, trying to, you know, go on this crusade on her behalf. He's done with all of it. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the host and he, you know, makes him a drink. He's trying to get him to read his aura or whatever, but the guy is telling him, like, well, this is you hitting bottom and, you know, it's not going to be easy to... um make it up to your friends if that's what you want to do, because n- maybe they're not going to survive the night. So he kind of lets Angel know, like, everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so Angel goes to Wesley's house, where Wesley is under attack by these demons. I forget the name of the demons. Oh, yeah, something with an S. Yeah, Screelash or mm-hmm. something. These demons that they had cured that little girl of her third eye, mm-hmm. they... Turns out that that was, the bite was an implantation of, like, demon spawn, and they would burst from her head at full maturity. Mm -hmm. But by removing the eye, they then killed the demon spawn, so the demons have come back to get their revenge. Um, So they're attacking Wesley, and Angel barges in and um, has to get invited in and saves them. Mm -hmm. So that's... That's one person. Oh my gosh, no, I'm sorry. Wow, this is going to be a mess. I apologize. <laughs> well, I'll just finish this. So he he goes w- get Wesley. They realize they don't know where Cordelia is. Um, they go to the office. Gunn meets them there, and they have the idea of checking Cordelia's message pad, and they realize that the family that refused to pay them has lured her out to um, their house with the promise of payment. But of course, we know it's these demons, and so... Wesley and Gunn get there, and they see that Cordelia has a third eye, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, they've got to jump in and save her. Meanwhile, um, before Angel went to um, went to the host or went to Wesley, he remembered that Kate had called him, and so he goes and saves her from her overdose. Right. And... Um, Then she tells him to get out, so then he goes and finds Wesley and all of this. On their way to help Cordelia, um, Lindsay has tracked Angel down because Darla told him all about sleeping with Angel. Mm -hmm. And Lindsay, of course, in his twisted mind, thinks Darla is his girlfriend, so he's going after Angel, um, repeatedly running Angel over with his truck, beating him with a sledgehammer um, until Angel gets the upper hand and basically carjacks Lindsay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. leaves Lindsay with his busted hand lying on the road. Um, takes the truck, runs it through the living room of this house, saves everybody, you know, and Gunn and and Wesley are, you know, happy that Angel saved the day. Cordelia is not quite ready to forgive him because he really hurt her feelings. Mm-hmm. And at the end, Angel comes to the office and he asks to work for them mm-hmm. that, you know, he thinks he can help them. But, like, obviously the dynamic is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah.
0: Um, I enjoyed it. I did, too. I mean, I think it's clear that they <laughs> were... They must have been reacting to people's reactions a little bit. Because Lauren gives it This a, feels like a course correction. It does, not it feels like one that is really self-aware. And because there were a lot of, like, meta comments on it, or at least there was Lauren saying, like, hey, he's tired of Angel, and he if he didn't hit bottom soon, he was going to, like, kick him himself or something like that. And then he also says something about, like, well, I mean, at least we'd rather have you be evil than brooding again because it's so boring. And I was like, you're literally speaking for all of us. Like, uh, agreed Lauren. Yes. <laughs> but that made me feel like they knew that people were just getting so frustrated. I don't know, but yeah, but otherwise, yeah. I think this was one long bit of catharsis where you get to see everybody be mean to angel in a way that he really deserves. And then, yeah. And then everybody comes out kind of happy ish on the other side. So I liked it. And I think, again, it kind of, like, really focused on the rest of the team and how they've bonded together and how competent and, like, strong they've become on their own without him. I think – and I think having him ask for a position at the end is the right way to to move forward.
1: Yeah, like, he can't walk in and say, I'm back. You're all hired. Like, yeah, that's – he doesn't have the authority anymore to do that. Yeah. Like, he's he's given that up through his actions, and I think – that's at least some self-awareness to know that that's yeah. the case.
0: I um, think he's also proven that he's not a very good leader. You know, he might be the strongest yeah. one, and he might be a great warrior, but he's not great at making team decisions.
1: No, and he has a tendency to... Or planning. ...to make everything go according to him. Mm-hmm. Like, he feels like brooding, well, too bad, everybody get out, I want to be alone. Right, I right. feel like going on this pointless crusade, everybody's fired. Like, that's not leadership, right. so... Yeah, and and he's realized that everybody's bonded in his absence, and so I think he realizes it's not going to be as simple as, like, I saved you, yay! Mm-hmm. It's more like, I saved you, now I have to do the hard work of getting you to trust me again. Yeah. Um. You know, and I think that's the overall arc, is, like, just basically, like, taking a... Not an eraser, but just trying to, like, fix everything that's been going wrong mm-hmm. with the last few episodes. Um. And I'm, you know, however it ends up turning out in this way. I'm just glad we're heading in a better direction. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, you know, Angel basically telling Darla, like, just get lost. Like, I'm pretty sure this is the last we see of her. Well. And for, no, oh, for, a, for while. a while. And okay. then, um, like, it's as simple as that. Just go away, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's okay. Yeah. Like, that's what it's going to be. And, you know, the way the episode also, I think, did this, there were some lighter moments that I think really kind of like, I don't know, it felt like they were actually putting some effort into making this fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's not just all dark and broody. It's like, you know, Angel, um, you know, springing out of bed and Darla realizing that he actually has a soul and then them replaying that conversation he has with Buffy after yeah. he loses his soul where Darla is like, was, was it, it not, not good? good? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Because it's the same question, but with it because of a different result, right. and then also Darla refusing to believe that it wasn't because she's a professional. And she said, yeah. she's been doing this for four hundred years, and she was a professional yeah. in her human life. So I liked all of that. Like there was kind of just a sense of like, okay, yeah. we're gonna just be better about all of this. Yeah, um, you know Cordelia always getting impregnated with demon spawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Cordelia. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that, I think it's good. And it's not clear if this is the end of the Kate arc, but.
0: Yeah, still unclear. I don't know.
1: There is that interesting note at the end where,
0: you mm. know. Mm-hmm. I <sighs> was
1: thinking that Angel had been to her apartment before. Me too. So. And I still can't remember if he had or hadn't. So, like, him just barging through the door didn't really give me pause at all until she says that she didn't invite him in. Yeah.
0: I guess I thought that last scene was a little bit confused. I guess it's not really even a complaint because I feel like whatever. But I did think it was interesting that like kind of my interpretation on Angel's kind of conclusion at the end of this episode and also some of the events of the last episode, namely that like kind of excruciating elevator ride, um, is that, you know, he, he seems to kind of come to terms with the fact that like he can't ultimately defeat all evil like that's never ever going to happen and so he may you know so like he needs to accept that like he also makes a comment about like well there might not be a reward for or a punishment for anything that we're doing therefore the only thing that matters is like doing good for its own sake kind of in my opinion that's kind of what I thought he was saying Thought he was kind of making um, an interesting argument for atheism or at least for not non religion but then immediately Kate follows that up with but also you gotta have faith because I didn't ever invite you in. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not, uh, what are you, tr- what? now I'm very confused about what the message is. <laughs> like in some ways I think it was because they're just trying to have it both ways. Um, or rather, I guess that's my ultimate opinion of the episode itself is like, the show doesn't feel strong enough in its convictions or in the network you know, whatever network notes that like, you can't just make that argument that it doesn't matter if there's no heaven or hell because <laughs> people don't want to hear that maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Am I reading too much into that? It was a weird conversation to be like, Nothing matters. It only matters what you do and say here and now. And then also, but also faith. <laughs> I was like, what?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really know. That's what I'm saying. Like that, all of that was confusing. I didn't know if that was like the intention of the scene. I didn't know if it was supposed to be like playing as if like it's a like, farewell Kate scene. Or but then they kind of because like she brings up this faith thing, like and the the way she brings it up, like it kind of leaves the plot open for like her to come back, mm-hmm. like. Like, they're implying that, like, Kate and Angel have some sort of, like, cosmic fate thing. I just... I
0: Oh, maybe. I, I agree
1: that it all felt like the show didn't really want to make a decision one way or the other. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but they made a decision in other places. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: agree. <laughs> I mean, and I liked kind of... I guess I guess why I noticed or paid attention to that at all is because I think that is... it. Uh, I mean, what Angel kind of said at the end sort of, I think... Aligns with my personal philosophies of like, yeah, you don't do good things because you're expecting some sort of reward. You do it because it's the right thing to do, and that maybe all maybe all you have is being nice to people while you're here, sort of. So, yeah, I
1: do think there's an interesting. I mean, I don't know that they really get into it, but I do think there's an interesting argument to be made on this show because of like the idea that Angel is prophesied to. Do these great things and be rewarded, but mm-hmm. like he's realizing, I think, and that's part of this. I think they're trying to sort of, um, yeah, uh, what's the retcon this and say, like, oh no, he he just had to realize like the reason he was fighting was not for the reward, right. but for, you know, whatever. But like that didn't really seem like what they were doing earlier this whole time. Yeah. But it does feel like that's an interesting idea to explore with this show because. You know, there is this thing where a lot of people say you're supposed to be good because it's the Christian thing to do mm-hmm. or because it's, you so know, so that you can get you can into go heaven. Go hell yeah. Or like whatever. <laughs> and it's like, well, what's wrong with just the idea that you should do it because it's the right thing to do to other people? Mm-hmm. Like that you shouldn't just be a jerk to people yeah. or, you know, whatever.
0: It Um, it makes me think of this interesting paper I read once called (laughs) What We Do To Each Other. Damn it, that's not the name of it. What We Owe To (laughs) Each Other. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I
1: think that that's a really interesting idea of like that we just owe it to each other to be nice. And, you know, and I think a lot of times because people couch whatever they're doing in this morality of like, well, No, I'm trying to help you and you just don't know. And it's like, well, you know, you look at a lot of the actions done in the name of doing the moral or the right thing Mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem like it's helping anyone. I mean, that's
0: how Angel got to locking a bunch of lawyers in with two vampires. Exactly.
1: And I think that's an interesting idea to explore that, like, if that was truly what they were doing in the last few episodes, it would have been really interesting TV. But that's not... They can say that now. And just as they're saying, like, oh, Angel had to hit rock bottom. And it's like... Well, they haven't really been playing it like he's been spiraling. Right. So I don't...
0: I I do think that I don't know. There's still huge flaws in the way they executed this storyline. I think it certainly went on for too long, although I agree that it wouldn't really have felt the same if it had happened in the span of, like, two episodes. But I also feel like it's been, like, eight episodes. Like, maybe there's something in between there, you know, where it's like it didn't necessarily have to be this bad. And I think, again, that, like, so often in those previous the last few episodes, it's been unclear on what the point of the show was. Like, what perspective they were... Not the point, rather, but like, their point of view was, like, what do you think about angel doing this? And it wasn't clear what his motivations were and it wasn't clear what the show thought of what he, his actions. So I think that was the stuff that really muddied it where it's like, if I, I, yeah, even, I don't know. So I think there were, have been a lot, a lot of missteps. I'm glad that we're through, (laughs) through it. Like, I feel like again, kind of in that way that like immediately when Wesley came on the show after Doyle left, it was like, Oh, this feels right immediately like that's kind of how I felt at the end of this one where I was like oh that feels right this is I'm glad everybody's back together and everything makes sense again to me so I don't know it's yeah it's been I, a very questionable art it's
1: like it's like they figured out what works but they don't know yet how to break it in a way that doesn't actually break it like you know right, a lot of shows right, right. and dramas like they'll mess with things just for this you know because it causes tension right and of course that's, that's drama how you make drama entertainment yeah. but like they haven't yet figured out how to do that because everything this season you know, I remember liking this arc a lot more. And I think that's because I don't remember it being this long.
0: Yeah. And maybe if like we were I binging, only remember it would feel the better. standout
1: episodes of like, wow, Angel discovers Darla. Angel like stops doesn't stop her from getting turned into a vampire. Angel sleeps with Darla. Mm-hmm. Like those are the highlights that I remember. I don't remember all this stuff in the middle. And I think the reason it didn't work is because it doesn't seem like the show understood what they were trying to do with it like are they just trying to create stakes and twists or like you know it's their attempt at coming up with some sort of serialized story Mm -hmm. other than the demon of the week but it doesn't really seem like they quite know yet which direction they want to go in or who's going to end up being a bigger player like you know we have the lawyers like some weeks they're (laughs) at the center of the action and other weeks they barely matter. And it's like, okay, well, where do they fall in this? And what are, what story are you trying to tell? And I think they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Even now one and a half seasons in and you know, which is fair. I mean, let's also, okay, look, we've talked a lot of garbage about this mm-hmm. show. It's, I think deserved. It hasn't really steadily been very good. Yeah. Um, it's had its moments, but I think also now it's, a season and a half into the show, and sometimes shows take that long to really figure out what they're about. True. So maybe this is it, and maybe from here it gets
0: it gets better, better because yeah. they have a
1: clear mission of what they're trying to tell. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I hope so. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, in some ways, Buffy wasn't the show that it is until Angel turned evil. Right. So... But I think it, the way that it got there was a lot more entertaining. It
0: was always, it, I think it was more consistently entertaining. I think the thing also that just personally for us has been harder is that sometimes when Angel missteps, it's not just a bad episode, it's a bad misogynist episode, you know? Or like, yes. it, when Buffy was bad, it was just too cheesy. It was never like, oh, except you accident, accidentally made an episode that kind of says, you know, non-consensual sex for, with your girlfriend forever is okay. <laughs> like, Buffy never did yeah. that, even when it was like, well, that was stupid. You know, a robot comes to life out of the computer in an episode of Buffy, and it's exceedingly stupid, but it's not, like, harmful or really grating on me as a person. Um, yeah,
1: like, Buffy's missteps were more like, okay, you didn't quite nail the story you were trying to tell, or, and yeah. just missteps are more like, what are you trying to yeah, say? Yeah, you're
0: saying something <laughs> offensive on accident, I think. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I do think that that's one of the reasons why the kind of missteps in Angel have been harder for me to overlook or forgive because they're just per, they're, yeah. But uh, that said, I think that was kind of the the one. I don't want to I don't want to necessarily call it a misstep because Lindsay is a villain. But again, I'm not always clear that the show thinks the same things that I do. So it's like what like Lindsay shows up. Lindsay in this whole episode is is like. Darla has never, she is obviously using him, so maybe she has said things to him off screen that we haven't seen. But, like, she's clearly not his girlfriend, and he will not stop acting like she's his girlfriend. And it's like, I don't know how many times you need to be betrayed. You only like her because she's beautiful, because there's clearly nothing else. We've never seen you relate on any other level, (laughs) you know? Like, it's so shallow. And then that he chases after Angel in his, like, Oklahoma truck with his Oklahoma- rural outfit i was like i i can't with this i i mean i guess it is fine again like i said because Lindsay isn't somebody who you're supposed to necessarily be rooting for at this point but like it was a little bit much
1: yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense like where you can't be the jealous he he comes back and he's like okay well you got to move all your stuff into my room because that makes more sense (laughs) or you know or that he has any indication that like I mean, the moment she walks into that party, it should have been clear she's just using him for information. But then he says, like, I would have helped you or whatever. Yeah. Like, he's so off the deep end. But, like, there's no... He he thinks he has some, like, mystical connection with her. Yeah. And she's never really indicated... I don't think even off screen she's indicated I agree. that it's reciprocated. I agree. Just that it might be. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, she's he's playing so him. I think he knows in some ways that she's playing yeah. him. But, like... I think there's that, and then there's, like, this whole other level of him, like, putting on his, like, cowboy boots and, like, you know outlaw outfit to go chase angel down and like and all he wants is information of like what happened and it's like you already know what happened why do you need the detail it's
0: so that was just so weirdly like i'm the jealous boyfriend and i can't believe you slept with my girlfriend instead of a if that were actually what happened you should be mad at your girlfriend (laughs) but also she's not your girlfriend which is why this happened (laughs) she's allowed to do whatever she wants to if that was the conditions for her staying in your house you know you gotta say that and also that's gross
1: And I think they try to make it about Lindsay being angry at Angel, not because he slept with Darla, but, but as Angel thinks, because Angel tried to save him and Lindsay made the wrong choice. And now Lindsay's angry about that, but like, I I don't really get that. Yeah, it wasn't. I feel like this is an episode where the show is really trying to fix itself, and it's trying to say, "No, this is what's happening," and so it's telling us yeah. one thing and showing us an entirely different thing. Right? And it's it's like, well, we're not dumb. Yeah. So we're we're seeing what our right, what's in front of our eyes. But sure, you can tell us yeah. what this is about.
0: I guess the one, but that that said, then I think the one thing or the rest of it, I think, did work to reset it. I really really like that nobody obviously nobody just forgives Angel right away, no matter how, like, kind of normal he tries to act or how much he tries to kind of gloss it over. You know, like, Wesley says, like, yeah, you didn't, you've didn't. you never been into my house because you never showed any interest. And Cordelia says, you hurt my feelings, which I thought was one of the best lines in the whole episode, was, like, I, I don't know. I just think it's not often that you get to just say that to someone and it lands. I think often pe- when people say that, it, like, comes from someone and they're supposed to sound silly. Like, oh, you hurt my feelings. And instead of, like, really genuinely admitting that, like, that is really... Painful and difficult. Um, But I guess what I'm saying is that I really got some catharsis out of everybody rubbing Angel's nose in it throughout the whole episode, and he totally deserved it, and 40 minutes was probably not long enough.
1: No, I think we'll get another 40. Mm
0: -hmm. Good. But, yeah, but...
1: Well, maybe we're on our way to something better. I I think so. I feel like I could just record myself saying that and then just, like, plug (laughs) that into every episode, because it's just been my...
0: My wish Your for wish. so long. But I really do. Th- I, I mean, I, I think when the gang is together and Angel isn't alone, it cannot be bad. It can't be that bad. You know what I mean? I think those are the times, all the times that it's failed has been because of that. It's been because they pulled him yeah. out of the story for some reason.
1: Oh, right. This is what we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Angel only works when he's part of this ensemble, because Angel by himself, as we've seen, is insufferable and uninteresting. Well, and even more time. so,
0: I think we've also talked about, like, sometimes Angel is better as the side character in his own show, and now they've literally yeah. established that's the dynamic from now on. He doesn't run Angel Investigations. He is an employee, and I think that's the right move.
1: And maybe that's what they realized, yeah. is like, sorry, guys, you made a show about someone who works better <laughs> as a <laughs> side character, yeah. As an ensemble member, not the star. Yeah,
0: exactly. So that's everything I have to say about him.
1: Yeah, no, that's all. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm clean out of ideas. Clean out.
0: Um, okay. So next time, what do we have? Uh, we have forever mm-hmm. on Buffy. Yeah. And, and then... disharmony. Oh, interesting. <gasps> <Whoa. laughs> that sounds like an episode that will feature harmony. <laughs> Exciting. Yay. Hmm.
1: Uh, that's right, because we haven't seen Harmony since um, Crush.
0: Mm-hmm. so Which wasn't that long ago. Well, we're only recording these episodes a few days apart, so have you managed to um, come up with some pop culture recommendations in two days? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I already kind of spilled the beans to Allie, but my, I do have one. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this before or not, but I don't think so. I, my recommendation this week is uh, the Netflix show BoJack Horseman which I've been watching off and on since it came out. Um, I'm currently getting through the fourth season and the fifth season is the one that just came, it just came out a few, like a couple weeks ago. Um, So I'm a little bit behind, but um, yeah, I, I, it is just a shockingly good show. I have liked it from the beginning. And like, I was kind of telling Allie, like I I remember when it first came out, you know, the, the premise of the show is that Bojack was the star of a nineties sitcom where he played the dad to three orphan kids. It, Essentially, he was Bob Sagan in Full House. And now in the present day, he's like a pretty washed up actor who's an alcoholic and is maybe battling a lot of other personal demons. And it, and initially, it's mostly just it's dark, really dark and crude humor, along with a lot of puns. And it's like kind of entertaining. But by the end of the first episode, I'm sorry, by the end of the first season, and I think this is now probably what more more people are familiar with, is like it's really a show about, well, any and all kinds of personal demons and you know Bojack deals with depression often that uh, Bojack the character but also the show like often deals with that it deals with a lot of deeper personal issues it's about every character has every main character gets to kind of have featured episodes where they really delve into the things that are hard for them and some of them are more serious and some of them are less serious but it's also just really clever in the way that it depicts things and I don't know man I think every time I like like I didn't watch the season four just because I was kind of like eh, I mean it's probably going to get worse. (laughs) You know, I keep waiting for it to hit that moment where I'm like, Oh, they ran out of ideas and it just keeps getting better. (laughs) It's just crazy. I, I, am just really, I'm just really impressed. Like I was saying too, it's like a mile a minute jokes. There's constantly puns in the background. And like, as much as a lot of the humor is very crude, it's also like, they just say like one of the characters is, um, um, uh, manager, like for celebrities in LA, you know, the whole thing takes place in the LA and Hollywood area. Um, and Prince, Princess Carolyn is, uh, starts out as BoJack Horseman's uh, manager, and later on in the show, she's just another, like she's an agent and a manager. She has this one character, who, or her one client, who has like a tongue twister name, and then the whole joke for this entire season has been putting that character in, um, kind of like in 30 Rock, they have that joke about the rural juror and urban fervor and how they're difficult to say, but it's like that, except times 10, so they'll just like describe, oh, it's uh, Courtney Portnoy. Portnoy is the name of her client, and she's like, they just have these really long tongue twister titles and then descriptions of the movies, and it's like that. I guess I'm just saying the humor really runs the spectrum, but like successfully, it's just anyway. I'm gone on too long. Suffice it to say, I watched The Body yesterday, and then at night we were watching BoJack, and not necessarily as like a clout, clout palate cleanser because, like I said, it, I knew I know that the show is dark, but we watched this episode that was about BoJack's mom dealing basically with Alzheimer's and dementia, and it was. I mean it was just it was very clever it was extremely well done and it was very very sad and so I topped off one sad mom drama with a different sad mom drama and I don't think I would have done that if I had known (laughs) um double feature I, I yeah I don't think it was maybe the best maybe I think I guess it was ultimately really cathartic but it was just it was excellent I really I think sometimes I'm like oh maybe people won't like this show but like it's so it's so good it's so good anyway also all your favorite celebrities are in it doing voices mm. all my favorites um i think everybody so there's a lot of actors in it but a partner in is in this season season four playing another horse um uh amy sedaris plays princess carolyn the cat who's his agent slash manager <laughs> uh she's great uh paul f Tompkins is one of the best characters he plays mr peanut butter who is like a uh, like after BoJack Horseman, the TV show was popular. There were like a lot of copycats, and so Mr. Peanut Butter had his, also had a sitcom where like he he's like he's a golden retriever, and he had like three human kids. Um, Allison Brie plays uh, this woman named Diane, who's friends with BoJack and married to Mr. Peanut Butter. It's like all, and then every guest star is somebody famous. Andre Brower plays the governor of California, who's a bad uh be beaver. No, he's a groundhog. Yeah, they're all animals, right? Uh, Not all of them. There's humans and animals. They're all anthropomorphic, okay. though. Well, yeah. Um, But yeah, like, Alison Bree's character is a human. Married to a dog. <laughs> and they
1: important. just accept these, like, talking animals? Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing. You know, it's, it is a cartoon, and it lives very clearly in a cartoon universe rules, where it just makes sense. Jessica Biel plays Jessica Biel. She's actually one of my least favorite characters, but... It's not really that important
1: okay all right well if you want to watch the body and a depressing
0: other mother episode <laughs> don't follow Jenny it up told you how to do that. <laughs> don't do that but also but you should watch the show yeah okay
1: um all right well i guess
0: <laughs> you know what
1: i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be contrarian okay. this week and i know the obvious answer but i think i'm gonna be team tara
0: oh that's good i actually want to yeah I like that. I'll be team Joyce, because someone should be.
1: <laughs> because I feel like Tara was, like, the silent rock there for She was. For her. She was so Willow, she was and so then she good. had that nice
0: speech with Buffy. I, I really, really enjoyed her in this episode. Yeah, A+. plus. Yeah.
1: And she's the only one who's been through this before, mm-hmm. I think. But she wasn't, like... I know what you're going through. She
0: wasn't, like, annoying about it. Yeah, she wasn't, like, making it.
1: that about mm-hmm. her. Like, she was just kind of a silent support mm-hmm. system. So, yeah. Team Tara. Okay,
0: I like that. Yep. All right, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye.
1: Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our
0: theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder.
1: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwc
0: podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.